You're listening to your Memorial MBA podcast with David and Kane. Kane. Wait, what was the intro with? To your Memorial MBA podcast. This is a very tough and difficult episode. And you made me, you made me repeat the intro twice. Kane, I'm very, very sad. I've been crying. You know what I'm talking about? Coronavirus. <laughs> Have some respect. Have some respect. Yeah, that's that's something that's something worth to cry about. I've been crying. I've been I've been stuck in Shanghai. I tried to get back to Australia, but Australia closed off China, and then I tried to go to Australia via South Korea, and now Korea is full of uh, SARS. There's no escape. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. <laughs> Clearly, you have not watched Kobe Bryant's memorial service. Why? Why would you? Why would you say that? Because when I said this was a very sad episode, the first thing you you did was <laughs> to attack my homeland. <laughs> Well, what do you mean your homeland? Your homeland's here in Australia. <laughs> That's true, but I can't get back to my homeland. They won't have me. They they think I have the SARS. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, you're right. You're right. I didn't watch them anymore. Why? Unfortunately, it's too sad. I, I felt like I grieved uh, when it initially happened, and I I finally got over it. And you know, I didn't know the memorial was happening, and then I see all this stuff about uh, Michael Jordan and. Uh, Rob Linker and Shaq sharing these teary eulogies about Kobe, and I just couldn't bring myself to watch ten minutes of it, this, this emotional roller coaster, you know, coming. Ten、back. minutes, try an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, ten minutes each. Yeah, yeah. Will you be watching it later? Okay, I'll I'll watch it later at your behest, at your recommendation that it's worth. So、watching. a couple of caveats. I have not watched Vanessa Bryant's. Speech. I think that's yeah, a bit too personal. Say, that, that one's like a thirty-minute.、Uh, yeah, I don't want to hear about stuff about his family, the daughters, and all that. Missing like daddy and all that. That's too much. But I did watch the segments with、Jesus. Rob. Wait, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? <laughs> that's just so dark. Missing daddy. <laughs> It's not going to finish. Like, I miss you, daddy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Please come back. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's too dark. You know, I, I suspect that you had no heart before, but now it just proves it. To be fair, I, if you're a Nets fan, you really can't have a heart anyway. It'll be too sad. It'll be too much. Jeez, <laughs> low blow. <laughs> oh, low blow. It's just different people have different ways of grieving for you know things. Some people use humor, and some other people cry. It's, it's okay it's to cry.、Normal. I mean, one the the goat cried, and that was like the headline. Michael Jordan, tear. Teary eulogy,、uh, you know, crying, like crying, crying, crying. Michael Jordan crying, like that's that was like the biggest takeaway actually for me.、Uh, for and for、headlines. good reasons, it was really、um, yeah. honest and solid. So I wasn't really expecting much from his speech, and I have to say, I was really glad and、um, happy that I watched it because it was really honest. It was funny. It was nice. Because for people that I guess. Don't know Kobe and Michael Jordan's relationship. I don't think I would blame you because, at least when I was growing up, Kobe was always known as the carbon copy of of Michael Jordan. He was like the most like Michael Jordan, but you just can't be Michael Jordan. Like, unfortunately, that's like it's an impossible mission to be. And Kobe got really close to being it.、Uh, and I think a lot of people、uh, will say, which is a kind of a criticism to Kobe, is that. He tried everything to be Michael Jordan, and at the end of the day, he 
he, he couldn't. Like, it's impossible to be like Michael Jordan at the end of the day. And he was really close, but people will criticize him because people would just say, you, look, you had Michael Jordan do it and he was the greatest of all time. And now Kobe's doing it and, he, and he's not. Like, he's not as good as Kobe. Uh, he's not as good as Michael, unfortunately. Um, and I think Michael knew that a lot. And I don't know if they trained together or Michael ever taught him any moves or did any kind of special training with Kobe. Like, I don't know what their relationship extended to, but maybe you can shed some light on that now uh, from his speech. Is there any kind of... Because I've always just thought they had a distant but kind of, uh, you know, like a uncle to a nephew kind of relationship. Yeah, it, it was definitely like a big brother, little brother relationship. And as Michael... Okay, so it was closer than I thought. And for most of the relationship, it sounds like... Michael was kind of annoyed by a lot of the, you know, the calls or the dumb questions that Kobe yeah. would pester him about. He'll receive calls yeah. late at night asking him about all sorts of weird stuff. And he'd be like, you know, that's like annoying, right? Nuisance is the word that he used. But he said that over time, just like your little brother, you grow to appreciate and, and love this person. And he grew to really respect, more than respect, Kobe's passion for being the greatest. Where it mm. infected Michael in a profound way in that he wanted to be the best version of that big brother to Kobe. He wanted to give Kobe mm. like all his knowledge and everything that he had. And he talked about how, you know, when Kobe died... Um, you know, a part of him died as well. And when he was speaking, it really just felt like Michael really appreciated Kobe's just passion for the game. Because everyone says that they have passion for the game. But then there's levels to this. Michael Jordan described it as an addiction, right? Just like he had an addiction to be the greatest basketball player. You know, you sacrifice everything. You just want to be the greatest. And the way that he described Kobe mm. really makes me feel feel like, wow, they did actually have that relationship, that bond. Even if it wasn't yeah. like, okay, let's get together and watch football together. But just mentally, mm. they were on the same uh, wavelength. Yeah, for sure. That, that can't be disputed. And then Shaq. Shaq's speech was phenomenal as well. Because also, like, yeah, but just, just, just to get us some context... Uh, Michael Jordan was, uh, like you said, Kobe's predecessor. He was the the guy that everyone tried to become, mm. basically. Be like Mike, you know, what that was the catchphrase. Uh, but Kobe and Shaq, they played together on the same team and they won three championships. Was this right? Yeah. They won three championships. And then uh, they had a really uh, unceremonious divorce. Uh, basically, one or the, uh, you know, either Shaq or Kobe thought they were the best player on the team. And then when finally Shaq left, uh, it was like kind of proving it to each other. And I guess they had a lot of beef and eventually they got over it. But I just thought that at least compared to my MJ, Kobe and Shaq had a much more deep relationship that had its high, like some of the highest of high relationships and then lows of low, like, you know, moments in a relationship that one relationship can have. Um, so I really thought that Shaq would, you know, definitely shed a lot of insight and light and uh, introspective into their relationship. And that's why the ceremony and the memorial service was so fascinating in that you have different people uh, 
that have played a different role in Kobe's relationship and their relationship with Kobe is different, mm. giving you their perspective of Kobe Bryant and you get a, a sense of how yeah. powerful, um, how much Kobe touched these different people and affected their lives as well. Mm. Shaq talked about sort of the friction that they had, but ultimately it was about how they made each other better, right? Because of that friction. I just was remembering that um, when uh, the death first happened and they were on TNT and, you know, Shaq does hosting on TNT. And he was saying that, like, they haven't spoken in a long time. Like, I think the last time they spoke was at, like, uh, maybe, I think I might be misquoting here, but it was like Kobe's last game. So literally, these two haven't really been in contact uh, since uh, Kobe's retirement. And and he was saying that he felt sorry for that because they are close and they have, you know, kind of buried the hatchet. But, you know, like 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 a lot of friends do, they drift away because like Shaq was saying, he was, he's really busy. He's got a lot of ventures. He's got a lot of businesses. He's got a lot of jobs. And he felt that it was his biggest regret not spending more time with Kobe. There was no urgency for them to to all of a sudden try to create this mm. friendship again, like right now. Because as Shaq was saying it, he felt like they had their, the rest of their lives to do that. Obviously, mm. when you win a championship together, you're tied forever together. And eventually, you know, they'll, they'll make amends for how, you know, however long that takes. There's not many duos in the history of the NBA that you would put above Shaq and Kobe. Three-peat, right? That's the last time we had a three-peat. Uh, and that was 20 years ago. Those that Laker team, for for anyone, you know, you you, you don't connect um, very deeply with people necessarily, or tell your you know your loved ones that you love them because you feel like you have all the time in the world, you have the rest of your life to do that. But then sometimes you have to cherish the moments that you have, right, and show people that you appreciate them. Yeah, for sure. And then um, Rapalenka talked, <laughs> and then he talked a bit. And this is where. Uh, I have to be a bit cynical and uh, critical. Rapalanka, God bless his heart. So you're taking my role. God bless. Wait, I don't know. How do you? What do you feel about Rapalanka, aka Rob Lowe? Well, I, 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 I think he's doing an excellent job. I've always liked him in the sense that I always thought Magic Johnson was like, you know, just there to be the oh, face so of the organization so and just like grin his white teeth oh and God. just make everything okay with his. Kind so words ratio. And, that is ratio and ratio. No, it's not. Okay, I'm just saying like his shiny teeth. He just kind of oh. like smile and 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 like kind of pass things off with his charming words and and face. But like it was always Rob Palinka behind the scenes doing the dirty work. And then Magic had the audacity to throw him under the bus on first take when Rob didn't do anything to him. Possibly, we don't know. We never heard from Rob because Rob took the high ground, oh and Magic took okay. took the took the low ground. Okay. okay, I have to say, I think you might be right in terms of Rob's talent and the results that he produces. Yeah, look what he's done this season. But I have to say, he is an odd guy, and the way that he okay. talks just like turns me off totally. To be fair, it was very clear to me that, and I knew this in the past. Um, as well, that Rob was very close with Kobe. They might as well be yeah. best friends. And the story that... Well, he is the godfather. Right, right, exactly. To Kobe's children. And professionally, he was Kobe's agent when he was 
during his playing career. Right. Um, so I didn't watch all of Rob's speech, but I watched the, I watched the ending of it, and he re- the ending is a story that he tells of basically the last conversation that he had with Kobe. The the spoiler to the story is that this is literally probably the last the last he was the last person to talk to Kobe before Kobe died. Essentially, they, they were texting each other, and Kobe died. Uh, helicopter crash literally like probably a couple of minutes or maybe 10 minutes afterwards. The story that he tells was it was Kobe texting him asking him if he knew this baseball agent because he wanted to make an introdu- uh, introduction, introduce a girl to this internship program or whatever in this baseball program. And the girl was like um, the daughter of a friend, essentially, which is a beautiful story. Beautiful story and really powerful story in the fact that this is like literally recounting the last minutes of Kobe Bryant. But then he like, he caps it off saying like, you know, and Kobe's final moment, he did something that was heroic. Essentially, he was saying like the fact that Kobe was using this platform to like better this child's future. It was this last heroic act. Because the way that he made it sound like Kobe did some amazing heroic feat you know, with his like dying moments. I mean, there's nothing heroic about, you know, trying to pull some strings behind the scenes. That's just you doing, mm. you know, doing a favor for someone. He was using hyper, hyper he, was, he was exaggerating basically. Like, I guess to be devil's advocate, I guess he was using his, pla- I haven't heard the speech yet, but just to be devil's advocate, I guess maybe Rob Plink is just suggesting that even in Kobe's mundane life at this point of just riding a helicopter to a basketball camp with his girls, he was asking, uh, like you said, using his platform to help someone else, basically. And he's always kind of like that type of person uh, where he doesn't, he's selfless in that, in that regard. And he does things to better, especially young, young girls and young people in general. Like that's, that's his, like motive in life at this point kind of thing or was in, at that point. And um, I guess Rob Plink is just highlighting that even in these kind of random moments, you, you know, you never know when you're going to die, but even in this just moment, he is thinking about other people and trying to help other people. He also used the word platform, which is like a good word to use. I think I just had took issue yeah. with the way that he used heroic and the way that he described lost human it act. as if it was like a yeah. human saying, saying someone's like lost human act. No one knows, no one ever knows what the lost human act is if they die, you know, prematurely. He didn't know, right? You'll never yeah, know. Exactly. So if you just plan, yeah. if you just said that, you know, this, and that's an example of Kobe Bryant, this is what he is about, right? That would have yeah. been fine. Yeah, it, it was poorly, it was poorly written. I'm like, how about if I'm a girl and I don't have like, you know, my dad's not like Kobe Bryant and I can't make that connection or whatever. My dad doesn't know Kobe Bryant. Yeah. You know, how, how's that heroic? Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds like favoritism yeah. to me. But anyway. Anyway, I think, I think, yeah, I definitely will watch it. And like you said, I, I might watch Vanessa's eulogy. Like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to hear too much personal stories. Mm. Like in all seriousness, I do like the basketball aspect of 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 this, you know, this track. No, sorry, this is really bad to say, but I guess I prefer to hear the basketball aspects of this and how it affects basketball and NBA in general. Um, hearing how it affects the Bryan family is just, 
is too tragic. Yes, it's like, too, it's too I, tragic. Like I know it affects them so tremendously and I couldn't imagine being in that situation. So trying to listen to them speak for 20 minutes about how their heart was ripped out when Kobe, di- Kobe and Gigi die is just like, uh, I'll be bawling. Like I'll be, yeah, I, I couldn't, yeah, I feel like I couldn't live with myself. It's okay to let your, yourself go sometimes, Kane. I know you want to. I mean, if I'm in the mood, but I just know that that's just going to be a tearjerker. I, I, I'm just, I'm not in, I'm too vulnerable to be put <laughs> okay. in that situation. Okay. Don't, don't pretend it hasn't I'm happened. I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. <laughs> it's okay, King. I know the Nets lost to the Magic recently. I'm a Nets fan, okay? <laughs> Jesus. Oh. I've had enough heartbreak. It, it's okay. It's okay. Harvey Weinstein's in jail now. <laughs> he won't come and hurt you anymore. You know, like, just, just, yeah, just about that. Like, um, you know, you see, see uh, like, photos of him before he got convicted when he was entering the courtroom. He was, like, in the in the, uh, like, with a cane, like, using a walking <laughs> stick to get in. Like, he's yeah, so feeble he's so and feeble. so weak. Like, oh, so, and so, like, he's so sick and he's been in hospital. How could he possibly rape any woman in this fragile and weak state? So, it's so gross. It's like, First yeah. of all, it doesn't take much because he's, like, fucking 300 pounds. But just like crush them. They can't even like move, right? But literally, like two weeks before he went to jail, he was like, you know, fine. Like a, I don't know how old he is, but like he's a, he's a, he looked fine. Sixty old, overweight. White he was probably person. like banging hookers two weeks before, but now like you know <laughs> <laughs> the verdict. But now out. he looks like he's aged. He is aged thirty years. He's like ninety, and like we're putting a ninety-year-old feeble. A paralyzed man on trial. Yeah, like he's probably had to dye his hair gray or something. I mean, good. That's what he should spend his rest of his life in jail. And then uh, Andrew Bogut tweeted, um, "So when are we gonna?" I, I forgot what he said, but it was pretty dark, even even for especially Andrew Bogut wasn't expecting this, but he tweeted that. Um, uh, so when will we hear about his suicide? Oh wow! Ooh, okay. Because you know it's you know you know that kind of stuff does happen, but it it is pretty dark. He's not going to kill himself. I'm pretty sure he's not going to kill himself. Andrew Boga is kind of weird. No, so. that's the point. He's not going to kill himself. Someone's going to someone might kill him. Oh no! Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, although speaking of um, using the wrong words, so his head lawyer. After um, the verdict, she um, made a statement in front of the cameras. Oh, yeah, And yeah, she talked yeah. about how, yeah, yeah. you know, Harvey's, a, Harvey's so tough. He's yeah, like take, one of the toughest yeah. guys. He's going to take it like a man. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They were in a losing battle. I mean, they like basically they paid this uh, law team millions of dollars to lose. It was a losing case. Like, there was no way they were going to win. And... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I know. Do we have any listeners over at uh, Rikers Island? As you know, Harvey's a big boy. He's going to take it like a man. So, fellas, line up. <laughs> Please tweet yeah, us. Tweet us. Line up. Line, line up and get your fix. <laughs> Harvey's tough. <laughs> but anyway, how do we get sidetracked to this? You talked about it. You talked about Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Well, it was, it was big news. Okay, it was big news. Whew, moving on. Actually, the last final piece, the day of the Kobe Bryant memorial service, it came mm. out that Vanessa Bryant is also suing the chopper company, Island Express Choppers, which <laughs> I don't have a problem with. But apparently, mm. also listed in that suit is the pilot's 
like family or successor or representative, which I found a bit odd. Right, right. He was he was also one of the victims of the yeah, yeah exactly. Or was he the instigator? I I think that's maybe where the where the lawsuit might come down. Was he responsible? Well, the guy is dead. Okay, I think he paid the ultimate price. Whether or not he caused the crash, whether or not he was a terrible pilot, whether or not he was drunk, let's say, which this is, I'm just saying hypothetically, if he was drunk. He paid, also paid the ultimate price. He died. What has his family got to do with it? What does she have to gain by like trying to sue his successor? I mean, if I was his family or his child, I, yeah. I didn't get him drunk. I didn't like, he made a mistake and then he paid the ultimate price for it. He's paid his due. Um, she can fight whatever battle she wants to fight. If she believes she's in the right, then go for it. I'm, I, I think I'm, or we are in a position to judge i guess yeah i mean i don't know more details than that so i can't judge but i will throw in this other uh piece of information you know this is not a pilot that kobe just met he's yeah. flown he's like a really really well respected yes pilot. he was flying Kawhi leonard he's been flying kobe like for a one while. of the best pilots exactly yeah. so it's yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's like i'm not saying that he's a friend of kobe's but this is not an unknown quantity so with mm. and to be fair, mm. like Kobe's not here to defend the guy, and he's not here to defend himself. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I I just throw it out there. It seems like you're more on the side of, uh, like this is a bad lawsuit. Like she should let bygones be bygones on this. You're leaning towards that. More. I definitely think she should, she should sue the chopper company because um, it's true that there are special devices and trackers. Uh, scanners that they could have installed on this chopper to make it better and they didn't have it and i agree that this is the you know the when an accident like this happens then you do blame the company but i would not necessarily blame the family or the successor of the pilot i think this uh also like not that it's routine because it did result in human deaths but becomes multiplied in terms of its profile because there was one extremely famous person on that on that helicopter um you know these things might be more routine uh especially after a fatality if it was just normal people in there but because kobe bryant was in that crash it just heightens the whole situation even more and there's a real emotional factor where people are probably siding with bryant like yeah sue sue the company sue sue his family, sue the pilot's family, sue his success, like, do this, do that, because you're angry and, and upset. But yeah, I, I just, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I, I feel that there's a really high level emotion attached to it, that's all. Okay, so should we just finish up with the Lakers by saying that they also unfortunately waived DeMarcus Cousins? Is this on the same day as the memorial? <laughs> Did Rob Polinka finish his <laughs> eulogy and then like, <laughs> Also announced, oh God. in addition, <laughs> to, Dark, uh, to Dark and DeMarcus. And DeMarcus Cousins. We, we changed locks. Uh. <laughs> You're not going to get the new fob key. <laughs> no, I think there was a, this was announced before the memorial. Um, it was kind of weird though. He was, um, I think there was a game. Yeah, this was announced before the memorial, but 
I, they had a game and he was like still shooting around and I think he heard the news at shoot around. <laughs> at shoot around? Where, where he couldn't get into the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> His car was already like impounded, <laughs> towed away. <laughs> it's like... They already like repainted the spot reserved for Markeith Morris. <laughs> reserved for... Reserved for Derek Rose. <laughs> the strange thing was, literally a couple of days before he was waived, Demarcus, he went on a podcast to say how he he's feeling good. He'll be, he should be ready for the playoffs. Yeah. He should be ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and I was really excited about that. I was like, oh yeah, let's go, love it. I mean, he was projected to be the starter. Sure, and even if he's not back in full health, give me ten minutes. I'm good with that. You know, a couple of days later, he, he gets waived. It must be a level of like reliability. Like they can't rely on him being healthy for the playoffs to depend on him, and they'd rather just get a guy that they can depend on. Uh, I guess which we can talk about later. But in Markeith Morris, who they know what they're getting in. But Demarcus Cousins, yeah, his potential is still good, and he's still a good player when he's healthy. But that's a big if. We just haven't seen it in multiple seasons now. I'm just a bit disappointed that he's not gonna. I'm not gonna see him in the playoffs. I mean, it's a bit. He signed with the Warriors two seasons ago, and then, you know, he went down. Uh, like when he when he first got back, he went down again and didn't finish. And that that seemed like a slam dunk championship. You know, like that. Demarcus Cousins finally going to win a championship. Unfortunately, everyone goes down on that team, including himself. And then he signs the Lakers, and then like once again he. In, in the preseason or training camp, he, what did he do? He broke an ACL or He tore his ACL, literally flying in from somewhere and he was really tired and he just didn't want to take a day off in terms of the training. So he thought, okay, I'm just gonna like, you know, break a sweat, like get back in it so that I don't have any cheat days. Um, but apparently then, yeah, he, he, that's when he got the injury that, that game. I mean, he's he's extremely injury prone, you know. Like, can't can't do much, especially if you're a seven foot big man that's, you know, close to thirty his age. Now. He also got married over the summertime. Um, did you hear about that story? He's got a child with another woman. Um, he wanted that son to attend the wedding, and the mom said no. Like, he's not going to your wedding. And then Demarcus got really angry and like threatened the 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 woman. The, but who who rejected the son going to the wedding? The, the mother, original yeah, the mother original the mother. No, wife? the original mother said no. no he's not going. Um, and then Demarcus yeah. threatened to kill her, and then she called the police. So he got in a bit of like trouble there. What happened? Well, he, he threatened to kill her. To, he threatened to kill her. Yeah. So what happened? He talked about it in like the the pod. I I don't remember exactly what happened. I think he got a warning or something. Like he obviously didn't get <laughs> a warning. He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. ask you this one more time before I take it to another level." <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I wish he could do that with his NBA career. <laughs> and then he said, "He asked, can I have my son here, please?'" The woman responds, "No." And then the market says, "I'm gonna make sure I put a, a bullet in your fucking head." <laughs> oh boy. Okay. It's too far. Yeah. That escalated. It's like when. Latrell Sprewell choked um, the coach, PJ yeah. Camarissimo. Like, if you want to hurt someone, you just punch them, right? You just punch them. That's perfectly normal. Yeah. If you're going yeah. to choke someone, 
you're basically just trying to kill them. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to take their life. If you're punching someone, you're just angry and you're just trying to hurt them. Yeah, exactly. If you're strangling someone, yeah, you're literally trying to... Because <laughs> if, if you punch them, you punch them and then they fall. And then that's over. Yeah. You can like evaluate, okay, do yeah. I punch them again? When you're choking them, <laughs> how do you know when to stop? <laughs> it's not funny, but it's true. It's so, it's so true. It's so true. Oh, boy. Like, seriously, like, how do you know? Like, okay, do I let go for a minute and just like give them a breath in? <laughs> oh, jeez. This is a dark episode. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Sorry. So uh, the box have clinched a playoff spot. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. Speaking of a team that's not choking. <laughs> <laughs> talking about a team talking about talking about a team that does choke. Talk about Beal. He scored 53 and 55 in consecutive games. Both losses. Both both losses in 50, in 50 point. You talk okay. Alright, so congrats to the Bucks. They clinched the playoff spot. That I mean that was obvious. But like Beal, what what more does he have to do to leave this team? He scores 50 points in two consecutive games. Both losses. Uh, like, what more can you possibly do for your team? You say Devin Booker scores big nights and, like, the team doesn't win, or Trey Young has big nights and the team doesn't win. What, how do you feel when Bradley Beal scores his big nights and his team doesn't win? Like, do you put it on the team or do you put it on Beal now? Do you, you have to come clean to our dear listeners. You what? are loving this. Okay, you are loving this. <laughs> you, what do you mean? You have been telling me since last summer, for months and months, how you envision the Nets have one last big trade to make, and that's cashing in all their young guys for Bradley Beal. Okay, this is exactly the situation mm. that you want. Okay, just answer me this: Have I have I been wrong in my Nets projections? Ever since we've met? You have not. Honestly. You have not. Have I, have I ever? Did I not project that the Nets would get two max free agents oh, this summer? This last you summer? You were correct. I think it's terrible. I think this is fucking... He needs to get the fuck out of Washington. He's wasting his life. So well, how about... What are your thoughts for like a player like Devin Booker or Trey Young, who are clearly talented players, but can't also, cannot will the teams to wins either? What do you think their like NBA talent is in terms of helping a team win a championship? Okay, I, I maybe it's not their own. Maybe it's not their own because, like you said, Beal Beal loves Washington. He would love to uh, finish his career in uh, Washington. He said it time time again. He loves playing for Washington. He doesn't care about the losing seasons. He just loves the city for whatever reason. I've been to Washington. It's a nice city. But trust me, there's a lot of not, like much more attractive cities in America. Yeah, Brooklyn. You should try it sometime. New York. <laughs> yeah, New York, Brooklyn, for example. Um, but no, like besides the point, like I just think that he's not going to be able to do it for his own team because this is Beal's team right now. It is his team. He's not going to be able to do it. Like Devin or Trey, I can't imagine they doing it for the Suns or the you know Hawks respectively either. Apparently, Beal has been saying yes, that he loves Washington. He's going to st stick around for the process there. But my sources tell me that behind the scenes, if Washington doesn't start to win or that they continue losing like this, Beal is I out. I don't see the upshot here. Like, if he stays, um, I don't see the potential in this roster. Like, I see War coming back. And at best, War comes back as an all-star point guard. 
I know you're going to laugh at that, but like, look at the all-star point guards this season. It's Trey Young and Kemba Walker. I'm pretty sure John Wall in his prime was way better than Kemba Walker and, and Trey Young. Trey Young, maybe. We'll see. He's, he's still young, but Kemba, uh, John Wall, unlikely to return to his prime at this, at this point of his after injury, uh, season injury, uh, ending season. Um, Rui Hachimura, the, you know, he's the Japanese power forward. I, I think he was picked eighth overall. I don't think he has the potential to be like, you know, a game changer for this team. I just don't see where the potential lies for Beal to, for this team to turn around, basically. I don't see where the Wiz can turn around, even with Beal. I agree. And I'm telling you, apparently Beal, he's not into losing like this either. He can't be. He's still young. He, he missed the All-Star, like that, that means a lot. He missed the All-Star team because he plays for the Wizards, basically. Because there's a difference between a 21-year-old or a 22-year-old losing and saying, oh, I'm going to stay here for the team, I love this team, versus a 26-year-old who actually now can see that this is mid-career and that you know, his time mm. in the league is limited and he needs to cash in on his opportunities to win. Mm. Mm. So I definitely do think that Brooklyn is in play, I have to say. And I also agree that if I trade I trade all the young guys for Beal. Yeah, there's no player except for Katie and Kyrie uh, that you know the Wizards can have if they want. Like there's no restrictions in my opinion. Like they can have them all. Uh, as long as we get Beal to pair up with K- KD and K- Kyrie, let's go. I I think, in all honesty, that is probably, I don't know, top three team already. Yep. Definitely a championship contender. Definitely a championship contender. I, I rate Beal above Kemba Walker. I don't know why he's not in the All-Star game. Oh. Like, Beal is just, he's good. He's definitely like, and he's got the work ethic as well. Yeah, he does. He does. I, I mean, he just proves it. Like, scoring 50, over 50 points in two consecutive games. One against the Bulls, so yeah, maybe yeah, the Bulls aren't that good. But then he does it against the Bucks. But even just like his attitude, I love his attitude. Do you, do you see that, you know, mm. that famous um, like video of like the opposing yeah. player saying like, Looking you suck, the stands. you suck. Yeah, and then he yeah, gave yeah. him like that, sh- yeah, that look yeah. and shrugs like, Come on. That look strong, yeah. It's also in the, in the video games. Like, they added that look in the video right, games. Right, right. I mean, that's just perfect, right? Yeah. That's just perfect. Can you imagine them, like, Kyrie doing that? No way, right? Ky- Kyrie takes himself nah, way too seriously. I, I, mm, I, I agree. I like his attitude. I like, I mean, I love his game, period. Like, I just, I love the way he plays. He's a classic shooting guard. There's just not many classic shooting guards in today's game. Like, he reminds me of a buff Rip Hamilton. <laughs> And Rip Hamilton was like one of my favorite shooting cards. <laughs> like, you know, uh, there was a lot of good shooting cards actually back in the 2000s and 90s, huh? I think, I think the Wizards owe him that at least, that he gets to choose at least some of the teams that he would agree to a trade for. Like, I don't think it's fair for Washington just to take the best deal. I think it needs to be uh, uh, mutual. To be honest, like the Nets have enough assets to get Beal. Yeah, I think so too. I, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Jerry Harris. Um, yeah, take them. They're trash oh, as long as we get oh, Beal. Okay, wow. <laughs> They're good players, but the thing is, like, we're seeing, we're seeing what this team is without KD and Kyrie. This team doesn't have a closer. 
Um, Spencer does a lot of stuff. Karis does a lot of stuff. Joe Harris does some stuff. Jared Allen got some big blocks today. On, sorry, in a recent game against the Magic. Um, like they're a good, they're a good team, but they just can't finish because they don't have a closer. Um, I'm just imagining like even like into even on this current iteration of the team, you just put KD on this team. They're better. They're like automatically way way better. Like KD probably gives you an extra twenty games win mm-hmm. one. Like at, you know total. Like, I think KD is that valuable, but. You substitute any of those players and you put Beal, they're like, fuck me, man. Like, it's, it's over. Like, KD doesn't need to come back to full health because he's got a prime Beal, 27 years old, you know, tearing it up and, and Kyrie a point guard. Like, that, that's probably the best guard tandem in the league. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, well, why don't we talk about some of the more interesting uh, players that potentially can get bought out? The Pistons are just having like, a wholesale, <laughs> giving away everyone. Who wants? Who wants these players? Andre Drummond's gone. Markeith Morris is gone. Reggie Jackson is gone now. He got bought out, and he's going to the Clippers, uh, which is a pretty dangerous rotation now. He would join that um, that backcourt depth with Bev and Lou Will. So it's getting really pathetic in uh, Detroit now, actually. Who knows when Blake comes back to his team, what the team's going to look like? Because they don't really, like, sh- shout out to Hoyan, but there's not really any, like, discernible, clear talented players on this team that you feel can take you to the next level kind of thing. It's pathetic. This team is pathetic. There's no reason for them, for Blake, to keep Blake even, right? The timelines are all no, out of whack. No, there's definitely no reason to, but I don't think they can get much for Blake, too. That's a problem. So the question is, do they keep Blake just in order to have someone there to, you know, make a, to entertain the fans? But clearly he's not. It might be like a Kevin Love situation. Like you keep him long enough to entice teams to say, hey, this guy's still pretty good. Does anyone want to trade anything for him? Like anything good for him? Um, Because at this point, it's, it's like a sunk cost. Like you've already given up a lot to get Blake in the first place. The... Gamble didn't work. It was a huge risk um, trying to pair him with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. Um, it was a good experiment, but it didn't work out. And, you know, they made the playoffs as eights and seven seeds. And just, you know, it's not good enough. You can't you can't aim to be the seventh or eighth seed, you know. You can't aim for that. You have, and, uh, Besides, the Nets already you know, took that spot. Easy, easy. <laughs> Look, Hoyan, I don't know what's happening with the Pistons. This is like a pathetic team. I would say, can you just call their front office? Tell them, like, this is asset collection time. Get rid of whoever you can. Take, bite the bullet. Get rid of these, like, aging stars and just, trend, like, you know, convert them into future Even assets. some of the young players, like, yeah, like Luke Kennard, mm. um, who's, I think, is fine, but probably could be better spent as, like, on a, as a bench player on a, on a winning team. Uh, but the player I'm most interested in the buyout market is Tristan Thompson. I think he will be a valuable addition to a to a playoff team. Tristan, Tristan, I know you listen to our show. It's time. He's Canadian. It's time. It's time to make up. I'm talking about Courtney Kardashian. Oh, <laughs> it's time to get back to LA. Okay, it's time to get back to LA. Actually, I like Toronto a lot. Now that I think about it. Toronto. Wait, is that possible though? Do they need? A Tristan Thompson type of player in Toronto? Because they play... Because uh, Marcus Sol has been out for a long time now. And Soja Barker is not a, like a, you know, 
a super healthy dude. Tristan Thompson could bang down low and kind of give space for, to Pascal, I reckon. Okay, I like it. I like it. I, I think he could be good because he's a guy that can rebound. He can defend. He's a pretty okay defender. Um, I mean, he's not as good as Serge Ibaka, especially offensively, but he can hold up his own defensively for sure. So I didn't even consider Toronto. Though. I just thought about LeBron. Yeah, I just thought just when you talk. Yeah. No, I I agree. The Lakers aren't bad, but the Lakers have enough centers, I think. Yeah, right. I mean, the team that I have been hearing are the Clippers, but I don't... I mean, the Clippers have everyone now. I can't believe, like... They can't yeah. just get everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, they can't be, like, 12 deep of players we've heard of. And Tristan, he's tasted championships. Now it's time to get back into that conversation again. Your boy, LeBron. Oh, I just, like, I just feel like people... Not recently, especially me... Especially me, but people have been sleeping on the Raptors all season long. And they're the second best team in the East. I just think that Tristan Thompson needs to go home to Canada uh, and play for the Raptors. I think that will be a, a perfect marriage. I think the Bucks are gonna, and the Raptors are going to have a pretty easy time uh, like in the first two rounds, I guess. Not easy, sorry, because I guess in the semis or versus Celtics, but the Bucks will probably versus the Magic, like that should be a sweep. Um, the Raptors will versus the Nets. Um, I think that will go to seven games. Oh, that will be a tough series okay. for the Raptors. But like okay, apart from that, like apart from get, get some sleep, yeah. Kane. What? What? You, what? Get, have you been sleeping? <laughs> well, no, of course not. But that's besides the point. All right. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Look, I'm not saying it's gonna be a sweep, but I don't, I, don't, I give the Nets like one game maybe. Let's do the um, let's do our playoff uh, predictions again. I think so. Last year I lost to you, like a game or something. But you you hit like you picked the like craziest things. Like I remember like <laughs> okay okay <laughs> not the craziest stop, picks, stop like disrespecting and undermining my skills. It's called skill. It's called basketball IQ, Kane. Basketball IQ. Yeah, you gotta get some. Oh, jeez. Okay, wow. Okay. Anyways, listeners, it's been a very tough week this week. Please, Tristan. Hashtag girl dad. Seize the moment. LA. Just like cousins. Do. Just like cousins. <laughs> Seize. Okay. Tristan, Tristan. Throat. I got. I just got news. There's an extra car available in LA. Until next week, see ya. Bye. Issa Torres on the beat, boys. Thank you for listening to Your NBA Podcast with David and Kane. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at Your NBA Podcast.